Hi, this is Stuart Hardy with All In Sports Outreach, and I'm so excited about a new episode of our podcast. Today, you're going to hear from Hayden Wall, just an incredible young man, currently a graduate assistant with the offensive line at Kansas State University, played college football at Abilene Christian. More than that, just loves Jesus, loves utilizing the platform of coaching and athletics to make him known. So without further delay, let's jump right into it. Well, thanks for joining me today, Hayden. No, I appreciate you, Stu. Thanks for uh, thanks for inviting me on. You bet. I like to start this out with some background info. I know there's a lot of listeners who may not, you know, know who you are. So just tell us a little bit about uh, maybe where you're grow where you grew up and your family growing up and and where you are today. Uh, yes, sir. So currently, I'm in Manhattan, Kansas. I'm an offensive graduate assistant at Kansas State University with football. I work alongside Coach Riley in the offensive line. I grew up in Longview, Texas. Um, so kind of the, the middle of East Texas and the, the 903, um, or Beast Texas, as it's been coined uh, for years mm-hmm. now. Um, grew up there, went to school at Hallsville. Um, so just a little small town outside of Longview, between Longview and Marshall. Um, my mom and dad still live there. Um, my dad um, is a teacher and coach at Spring Hill. We're so about 10, 10 minutes from where we, where we live. My mom's an employee at, uh, at Hallsville, one of the elementary schools. She works alongside the principal there. Um, then I have an older sister who's married, um, has a little girl, uh, a little boy on the way. She's doing September. Um, so I'm going to get a little nephew here soon. And uh, her and her husband live in Carthage, so just south of Longview. So we're a, we're a true East Texas family. You're the only one that left. Yes, sir. I'm the, uh, I'm the only one other than my, my uncle that uh, escaped Texas. So I've kind of bounced around a little bit. West Texas, Colorado, Kansas. So I've kind of been around a little bit. That's awesome. So talk about uh, growing up, you know, your family from maybe a faith perspective. You know, did you grow up in a family of faith? And at what point did you kind of take ownership of it and, and realize you needed that personal relationship with Jesus? You know, we were, we, I did grow up in a Southern Baptist household. Um, when we moved to Longview, I was about five months old. Um, I was actually born in Arkansas. Um, people kind of give me give me some junk about it, but I don't really claim Arkansas whatsoever. Um, that's no offense to anybody that's from there. I just don't know anything about it. Um, so I was born there. When we moved to Longview, um, we started going to Moberly Baptist Church, which is uh, in, in Longview. Um, and we've been there ever since. Uh, as, for as long as I can remember, we've been members there. Uh, my grandparents are members there. Um, so that's the church that I grew up in. Um, and for us as a family, you know, faith was a big deal in our family. Um, and I wouldn't say it was, you know, you, you were the Sunday, Wednesday family. You would go to Sunday school, big church, as we called it when I was growing up. Um, you'd get your bulletins, you'd do everything. Um, you'd sit there and you'd have to listen or whatever it was. And Wednesday, you'd go to um, your kid's church or your youth group or whatever it was. And um, it was talked about at the dinner table. It was talked about um, in family discussions, um, you know. But I don't think until I got to college, I truly understood what the ownership part of it was. Um, I think that you, when you kind of get stuck in the Bible belt, sometimes you you lose track of the ownership part because it's kind of just something everybody does. Um, and it's kind of easy to hide in. Um, that's not saying that my parents didn't do a great job having faith discussions with me. Um, that was more of me truly taking ownership of it instead of just kind of sitting there going, hey, like, this is what we do. This is This is what I know. Um, so I think college for me was kind of when you when I really started to take ownership of it and really learn more about what it what it was to walk with faith and walk in it. You know what? I think you're you're dead on on that because I know a lot of I mean I grew up 
in Alabama, very similar. I went to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night as well, and probably some other nights in between if there was something going on. But, you know, I think when you grow up, especially like you said in the South, it does just become more of a religion of mm-hmm. this is what I do, not that relationship and, and, and who I am. And I think a lot of times we do, when we grow up in that environment, we do take it for granted. And honestly, as a dad of three teenagers, that's something that um, is on my mind a lot. Yes, is, sir. Absolutely. You know, are my kids just getting stuck in the routine mm-hmm. or is it, is it theirs? You know, because I, you know, I want them to grasp and own it before they go to college. Because, um, mm-hmm. you know, you and I know what happens when you leave home. You know, you just yes, you're always making the best choices. And so anyway, yeah, that's that's good. I, I like that. I like the way you you talked about that. And we'll we'll get back to faith um, a little bit a little bit later. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about sports. So obviously in East Texas, I know you're yes, had to play football. So talk about playing football in East Texas and then your recruiting process and end up at Abilene Christian kind of how that went and, and how you ended up at, at ACU. Uh, yes, sir. No, that was, uh, you know, recruiting for me was, was interesting. Um, it wasn't, I wasn't super highly recruited. Um, had some FCS offers coming out of high school. Um, I moved to Hallsville when I was going into eighth grade. Um, my dad had accepted a coaching job over there. Um, my mom was already employed there. I was actually at one of a, a rival school across town. Um, I grew up going to Pine Tree. So that was a, uh, that was a big rivalry for us was Hallsville Pine Tree. And moved over there, um, got into high school, um, and the recruiting process kind of started a little bit after my junior season, um, kind of hearing from people, talking with people. Um, got recruited by some, by some Division twos and some FCS schools. Um, and then, you know, I, it was, it's actually really funny. So two of my coaches that were there my junior season both played at Abilene Christian. Um, one was uh, coached there for a little bit. When my senior year comes around, and the third brother shows up. Well, he had coached Abilene Christian as well. Um, but kind of backtracking into my junior year, we actually took a trip to Lubbock, Texas, to go to an indoor track meet at Texas Tech. Well, Abilene was kind of a little bit more than halfway. So we stopped um, and ate lunch. And we just kind of ate, ate lunch on the bus. And our track coach, um, Dean McDaniel, big man of faith. And he was kind of a mentor for me in high school. He walks up and he goes, hey, go check out the verse in their, in their locker room above their lockers. I was like, okay. So I just kind of start walking in there, not thinking anything of it. Um, and I'm throwing something away. Well, ironically, I bump into the offensive coordinator, Nathan Young, um, who actually ended up helping recruit me. And he's like, hey, what are you doing here? <laughs> it's like, oh, sorry. You know, we were eating lunch. I'm, I'm with my high school. We're headed up to Lovey. But he saw Hallsville on my jacket. And he said, wait. He said, you know the Farrell brothers, don't you? I said, yes, sir. And he said, well, let me call Clayton. Clayton was one of my was one of our coaches. He coached our, our DNs in high school. He played at Allen Christian and was really friends with Coach Young. And so after that, we talked for a little bit. Um, and then I came to find out later on, he called Coach Farrell back. He was like, hey, you know, what's going on? Like, who's, you know, tell us a little bit more about this kid. I met the O-line coach, Sam Collins, um, who helped recruit me as well. Um, I stayed in contact with them. At the time, they were Division Two, and I had no idea that, that there were plans in place for them to go to Division One the next year. And 
Uh, they ended up actually taking a trip out to Mississippi during the season. Um, Hallsville was kind of halfway for them to Mississippi, a little bit less than halfway, and they actually stopped at our high school to do a practice um, on their way there. Uh, so I got a chance to kind of um, to, sp- to speak to them real quick, um, watch them do their walkthrough. Um, and it just kind of after that, um, once they kind of started doing home business, they came and visited, um, offered me a scholarship, and then got to kind of do my official visit there. And once I got there, it was it – was, I knew it was exactly where I needed to be. Um, and you actually know So Kevin Washington was there. Kevin was an assistant in the strength department, and Kevin was also in charge of the FCA and Abilene. And Kevin, they took time out of our visit for Kevin to speak to us about the importance of – what FCA was in the community, what it was on campus, how to get involved. Um, and I, I remember sitting there thinking, this is this is kind of exactly what I want. I don't know why I would want to do anything else. And I got to spend a year with Kevin in Abilene, um, going to Bible studies with uh, at his uh, duplex with him and his wife, Jordan Washington. Uh, we called it Pack the Plex. That was kind of our the thing. We would kind of do a, you know, the three colleges in Abilene would get together and do a Bible study and it was just kind of a, a perfect scenario for me. Um, and then I also I had the privilege to work with Nathan Young uh, for a year when I was at Stephen F. Austin with him. So everything kind of came full circle. So it was a, a great decision. It was a wild story that everything kind of unfolded like it did. Um, the Farrell brothers definitely kind of pushed me a little bit more to ACU because um, they, they did bleed wildcat purple as well. So That's awesome. I love that story. I'm, I'm, I'm actually looking for the episode with Kevin because he and I connected – right two years ago and he was actually on the podcast and uh, we trade messages still some today, just an incredible, <laughs> incredible guy making, making a lot of, making a huge impact down at university of Texas. Um, I'm trying yes, to find sir, absolutely. Episode. Yeah. So it's just, yeah, that's, that's awesome. And it's always good to hear when guys like that had an impact December 26, 2018 that was episode 51. So yeah, wow. if you're listening, go, go, go listen to Kevin. That dude is uh He's a uh, he's just an incredible guy and ma- making a big difference down in Austin. That's good. So yes, sorry, I said, no, Kevin was a uh, Kevin. You know, Kevin's got a wild story too. Started in Notre Dame, finished at ACU. Yeah. Um, you know, just I mean, shoot the impact he had on me in a year. Um, and I still get to talk to K Wash and, and J Wash as well. You know, the, there's times I've been down in Austin and I'll I'll go see them or I'll stay with them. And I mean, they're just fantastic people, top tier people in my opinion. That's awesome. You mentioned being a grad assistant now at Kansas State. So kind of walk us through, you know, you're the son of a coach. Your mom's worked in the school districts. Obviously been around the the education world your whole life. But, you know, talk about that point when you felt that calling to coaching and then kind of just give us a snapshot of of where you've been coaching. Sir, um, you know, kind of coming out of high school, I thought I wanted to be a coach. And I ended up going to ACU. And I wanted to actually pursue a degree in physical therapy um, was kind of my initial thought. Um, wanted to do sports rehab, wanted to rehab sports injuries because I knew I wanted to be around sports and help people. And I quickly uh, crushed that dream because I'm not a fan of science whatsoever. I was not a fan of biology classes, chemistry classes. So I started really looking at it and I thought, you know what, how can I stay around sports while impacting people um, and helping people grow? And to me, I always fell back into coaching. And of course, me being, like you said, the son of a coach, my dad started coaching when I was a kid. 
Um, I'll, I wanted to one up my dad. So I was, shoot, well, he does high school. I'm going to try to do yeah. college. You know, that's what I wanted to do. Um, so once it came time, I started reaching out to people about GA and I um, got my first GA job at Angelo State. And um, I worked for Will Wagner there at Angelo State in 2017. Our offense coordinator was Drew Dallas. Um, coach Dallas is actually the head coach at Hutchinson, Hutchinson Community College up here in Kansas. They just won the national championship here in the spring. Um, getting to learn, got to learn from him and his staff there. And then ended up at Stephen F. Austin in 2018. Um, after that season, our staff was let go. Um, and then um, we hired a new athletic director, Ryan Ivey, that summer before the season. And then Mr. Ivy hired Colby Carthel, who is now the head coach of Stephen F. Um, got to work alongside his staff. Um, Matt Storms was our offense coordinator there when I was there. And we hired Nathan Young, as I previously mentioned, as our offensive line coach. So I got to kind of reunite with him um, as our line coach and get to get to work under him, um, spend time with his family. And then after the 2019 season, um, left and went to Colorado State. Worked under Steve Adazio and his first staff at Colorado State. Um, under his son, Louis Adazio, was the O-line coach. Um, our offense coordinator there was uh, Joey Lynch. Uh, had come over from Ball State. And then just recently back here um, in 2021 in January, I got out here to Manhattan, Kansas, uh, working under Chris Kleiman. Um, you know, his staff got here just for the 2019 year uh, from North Dakota State, working under Courtney Messingham, who's our offensive coordinator, and Connor Riley, our offensive line coach. That's awesome. I love it. Um, that's that's quite the journey too. And uh, <laughs> from Texas to Colorado to now Kansas, and you know we'll we'll see what's next. Um, yes, sir. So, I mean, in your time, short time coaching, is there you know maybe an athlete that that stands out that you know maybe just from an athletic ability, it just really stands out that you've coached. You know, personally, probably none that I have um, just from a from a GA perspective. You know, there's obviously been some some really good players that I've been around. Um, a receiver that we had at Stephen F. Austin, we signed him, had a, him out of Dallas, um, been an FCS All-American there. Um, had some great players at Colorado State, too, some D-linemen that we had, um, some really some really good skill players as well. Um, I'm really excited about the team we have here at Kansas State. Um, Skylar Thompson, a quarterback, has been an awesome kid to be around, phenomenal off the field, um, great leader as well. And then we have um, a senior center, Noah Johnson. Noah is everything you would want in an O-lineman. He's committed. He's selfless. Um, he does everything you ask him, and he works his tail off. And that's exactly what you want at center. And he's a smart kid, um, and he's kind of a bulldog too. He just kind of – he loves the game of football, and it makes it fun to be out there on the grass with him. Um, you know, those guys kind of stand out when I start thinking about it. And those are the type of kids that you love going to practice with and going to games with because they just – they love the game of football and they love being around and they want to study and they want to be the best that they can be. You know, being a young single guy, um, probably not as much of a struggle, but, mm -hmm. you know, the coaching world, especially Division One football, it's, it's mighty demanding. So how do you – um, balance that with staying connected with life outside of football, like spiritually. I know, you know, you and I talked a couple of weeks ago um, and we've got, you know, a lot of mutual friends. Many have been on, on this podcast that you've worked with um, in FC and I'm not going to start naming names because I'll probably, <laughs> they all listen and they'll probably, you know, I'll miss one and I'll get a text, but. Oh, we both will. Um, don't worry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, but you know, 
how, how do you stay connected? You know, being far away from home in Kansas, you know, how do you stay connected spiritually? You know, I think that I have a lot of friends that are either close to my age, a little bit younger. Um, and there's obviously some coaches, like you mentioned, that are older um, that I look at as, as mentors. And I've got really, really good friends that I've met through working FCA camps, um, whatever it was. And those guys, I mean, we'll, we, we'll text, but it's not – it's kind of funny stuff. We'll send each other a funny tweet or we'll send each other something that we saw that we thought was hilarious because we all kind of have the same sense of humor. Um, but a lot more times than not, I would rather talk to them on the phone. And a lot of them, they coach or they do other things. Um, like probably my best friend, uh, Derek Sides, he's a coach down in Midlothian Heritage um, at their high school coaches football. And I'll call him and we'll talk for five or it might be 45 minutes, depending on kind of our schedule and what's going on. Um, they just started, you know, their preseason practice. Uh, so he'll text me, you know, rarely throughout the day, um, but we'll catch up at some point. And I don't like calling him a lot when he's at home because I know he's hanging out with his wife. Um, and it's just kind of staying connected that way. And it's guys that I've surrounded myself that, that challenge me and tell me the hard things. And uh, when something's not going right, they'll call me out on it. And I appreciate that because they're not trying to hurt my ego. They're trying to help me grow in that mm. moment. They're trying to help me. Hey, I am messing up. I need to one step back and look at the situation. I need to figure out what I'm doing wrong. Um, and I've always appreciated that about them. And I think that I've, I've been able to surround myself with people like that. Um, you know, people like Tommy Pointer. Uh, I know, you know, coach Pointer, coach Pointer. I met him summer 2014. And the things that we kind of connected on were things we struggled with uh, the same age that he was when I was um, kind of as a 18 to 22 year old when he was in college playing at SMU. And now he's a head coach with three kids and a wife. And, you know, we can, we can connect on different ways. He's a head coach. And, you know, that's a, that's a big, that's a big jacket to put on um, and balance everything. And it's also finding people that you work with that help, in that aspect as well, kind of keep you grounded. Um, our quarterback coach here, Colin Klein, you know, phenomenal player at Kansas State, uh, was a Heisman finalist his senior year. Um, and, I mean, just talk about a man of faith and a man of integrity. Uh, he's awesome, and he'll kind of keep you grounded. Uh, we have another GA here, a couple years younger than I am, uh, Christian Ellsworth, awesome dude, awesome. Um, young married guy, but very grounded in his face. So we're kind of – you kind of you can check each other every now and then. You know, it's like, hey, how are you doing? And it's not, hey, how are you doing work life? How are you doing outside of work? How are you doing with this? Uh, and I think that's important. And um, just like I was telling you, there's, I've got friends that are coach. I've got friends that work a nine to five. I've got older older men that I look towards that are coaches. I'm like, hey, how do you handle this situation? Mm. Or how did you go about this when you were my age? You know, with with Coach Pointer, he was a GA for a little bit and lived away from his family during a college job and um, coaches high school football now. And he's a head coach and he absolutely loves it, but he spends time with his kids. And I think that stuff's important as well. So kind of balancing that and seeing, hey, how did you handle this from a perspective of a believer, I think is very important. Um, And like I said, also surrounding myself with friends who will call me out um, to help me grow in a spiritual aspect, I think is huge as well. That's good because, I mean, that's important, I know, in the coaching world to have that group. But, you know, just anybody, especially as a believer, to have that group of friends. And what I really liked about what you described was friends younger, same age, older. And I think that Mm -hmm. is so important in life, especially as men, 
um, that we, we do. We have older, more mature people in our life. We have younger ones. We have people our own age that we, cause we can grow in, in all of those relationships, but you have people that have been there that can mentor you along. I think that's so important. I love that. Yes, sir. Um, you know, I think he, when I start thinking about that again, um, something my head coach always said in college, Ken Collins, he's the offensive coordinator now at Central Arkansas. He would always tell us, you know, we're, we're supposed to join other men in the battle. And I think that's important. Um, we're not really called to walk life alone. And I think that's, I think that's just always important to think about as, as a believer is the way that you surround yourself with people. Um, are they pulling you in the right direction or are they slowing you down? And, you know, it's, it's kind of that old analogy when you look and you're running a race, who's beside you. And I think that's the people you want to ultimately run with. Yeah. And being a, being a young guy in the coaching world, I mean, it's not easy to be bold in your faith. So, I mean, I know faith is a big part of who you are and your coaching. Have you ever had any resistance to it? Uh, no, sir. You know, and, and I know there's also been times where that might not have been the where I put, where I put my best foot forward. And there's definitely right. been times you get wrapped up in things. Um, and you got to kind of step back, like I said, and reassess the situation and go, hey, where am I? Where am I stumbling at? What's causing me to stumble in this moment? Um, and that's where you kind of you have to take time to yourself and, and really reflect on what is your what does your mission look like? Are you what, what what is your perspective? What are you chasing right now? Are you chasing a job? Are you chasing um, are you actually trying to genuinely help mold people um, as men and then as a athlete or as a, as a student? That's good. Yeah, that's very good. I think we can all identify with I'm not always putting the, the best foot forward at times and, and recognizing that. But what would you say to a coach or a student athlete that's listening, um, you know, understands that athletics is a platform and, you know, I've, I've had people, you know, not on this podcast, but in, you know, just in conversation, you know, kind of debate the platform of athletics, but it is, it can be used mm-hmm. for good or bad. And we see it every day, whether it's NFL, major league college Olympics, it's, 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 it's a big platform. Mm-hmm. Um, so what would you say to that coach or student athlete that's listening that understands the platform, but maybe struggling being bold in your, in their faith, how would you encourage them to, to be bold and to, and to use that platform um, in that manner. No, no, that that is good. You know, I wish that I would have looked more into that as a, as a college athlete. Um, And I would say that learning how to surround yourself with community that challenges you, because I think when you surround yourself with a community that challenges you in your faith, I think then you become more comfortable being a little bit, a little bit bolder. Um, And that's going to look different for everybody. I think that some people are, their gift might be speaking. I think some people, their gift might be um, acts of service. And those are things that you've got to learn. Um, but I think that everything we can do as a believer as well can also be reflected in the way that we treat people. Um, whether it was your academic advisor, whether it's the secretary in the athletics office, um, whatever it was, that, that stuff's important too. How you treat your teammate that isn't in your position group or that's the new freshman you're a fourth or fifth year senior, and you know, you're, you're on your way out the door, you know, even treating your coach, you're in your coach, you and your coach might disagree on something, or he might have a different belief system than you, but that doesn't mean that you look at your coach any different. The way that you interact with him can be a witness to him as well. Um, and I think that stuff's important. I think that learning how to build relationships and learning how to treat people is ultimately 
um, a good way to be bold in your faith um, because I think that that stuff is kind of put on the back burner sometimes as an athlete because it's like, hey, look at me, look at what I can do. But ultimately, it should be us stepping back and playing a background role and going, hey, look at what Jesus did for me. This is why I act the way I do. This is why I treat you the way that I do uh, because I've been saved by grace through faith, through the redemptive power of the gospel. And I'm now I'm trying to show you what it's done in my life. Um, and you can have the same thing. Well, that's good. I like that. It's something I try to try to live out. Um, let's try to instill that in our kids is how you, how you treat people speaks volumes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, cause it's easy, especially as a, as a student to, to get pulled into the crowd that looks down mm-hmm. on certain groups or whatever. That's good. I like that. There's a lot. You know, I think I, lot. I saw some the other days too. It was, it was interesting. Um, it said, you might've said the right thing, but in the wrong spirit. And I thought about mm. that. Huh? I was like, that's, that's pretty good because I think me and you understand that we can maybe try to be, you know, we, we might try to call out a brother or sister in Christ, but it might be coming from the wrong place. Um, and I think that's important too. It kind of hit me when I saw it. I was like, dang, that's, Ooh. that's pretty good. <laughs> that's uh that hurts. Yeah, that one, that one, that one gets a little, a little personal because you're right. A lot of times we, we probably are saying the right thing, but we got to look at, you know, our heart and our spirit behind it. That's good. Mm-hmm. Um, let me ask you this. Um, growing up in the church, I'm sure you have a favorite Bible verse. I like to ask that question about, you know, do you have a life verse or is there one that God has shown you recently? Um, that you'd share? Um, you know, for me, I think lately, um, you know, in, in our, in our text, um, in the all in, in the all in chat, you know, that we do mm-hmm. uh, with the, with the coaches across, I mean, shoot, I don't know how many States now it is. Um, yeah, it's a lot. I think it's over 200. So if you want to get involved, I'm going to, I'm going to shamelessly plug <laughs> um, and get involved with, I think it's been great. Um, Ephesians 2.5, you know, when we were kind of reading through Ephesians again, I think that that was something, and I texted in the group, and I started thinking about it again. I was like, golly, man, that was something we talked about all the time in college. Um, But really, it starts kind of in verse 4, and it said, But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love that he had for us, made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead in our trespasses, you were saved by, by grace. He also raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavens and in Christ Jesus. And I think that's important because, um, like I shared with the group, I remember talking about that in college all the time. And apart from Christ, without the gospel, we're dead. And we always joked about it. I was like, yo, what can dead people actually do? Nothing. <laughs> right. Dead people can't. And when, we're, when, we're, when we live in this sinful life, we're, we're dead apart from Christ. And I think that recently, I just kind of went reading it again a couple of times. Like, man, like I forgot the, the magnitude of that. Um, and then we can we can walk in a in a new in a new life um, because of grace uh, because of what Christ did for us on the cross and I think that's important uh, and it can it can help impact how you kind of walk throughout your day as well. Yeah, that's good. I'm gonna circle back to that what you said about the group and then I'll say something about what you just said. But yeah, for those that are curious, we have a group that read a different book of the Bible every month. And last month we we read the book of Ephesians five times. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, we did this last summer and really it served two purposes. Um, 
you know, one is summer's busy, so you don't feel pressure if you miss a day, but also for those that really want to dive in. And what I, what I loved about the month of July, to be honest with you, was Ephesians is so rich. Mm-hmm. Um, so getting to read chapter two, five times in a month, that verses four and five, because that's stuff that probably you and me have read a thousand times. Yes, sir. But that, that chapter, for whatever reason, this year did a number on me too. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, really hit that really probably verse four through 10. Um, but just, yeah, just understanding that how rich was God in his mercy and grace, um, that that's how much he loves us. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing I can do to make him love me more or less. And that's, that's yes, you know, and that's, that's the freedom and, and the beauty of it all. But I'm, I just, I lose that perspective a lot. So yeah, I'm glad you shared from Ephesians two, cause it really, yeah, it, um, I spent many a day in July reading that over and over and just thinking about it going, man, I've just either it just skimmed over it or took it for granted or what, but it just, um, there's a lot there. So that's good stuff. And it's just a good reminder mm-hmm. for us. That's good. Last question, two words, all in, it's all over sports. I mean, clean, I mean, chin straps, wristbands, t-shirts, mm-hmm. you name it, it's all over. But if you study the gospels, it's all over um, Jesus's teachings too, about if you're going to be a follower of Christ, deny yourself, take up your cross, you know, being selfless. So, you know, uh, Revelation, writing a letter to a church, hot or cold, I want you to be lukewarm, you know, so being mm-hmm. all in basically. So I like to ask it from a practical standpoint. Um, what does that look like for you, Hayden, in your daily walk to be all in for in your walk with Christ? You know, and, and I think it's even changed since I was in college um, because you you go through stages of life. You know, you go through high school. Um, like I said, you know, I started learning more about ownership when I was in college. Entered a whole new world working in athletics, um, working in a in a role that's kind of behind the scenes, and mm-hmm. that kind of made me learn. You know, what does it what does it truly look like? And I think it's something where you you really do take ownership of your faith. Are you actively pursuing a life um, that's working towards what Christ has called you to do. You know, what is, what is Christ called us to do? Um, and I think that that's a, that's a question that you've got to ask yourself. Um, you know, are you preaching the gospel to yourself daily? Understanding that, you know, you didn't deserve any of it. We didn't do anything to deserve what Christ did. Um, and I think that that's important to understand, especially just in your daily life, you know, the way that you walk. Um, there was a song I remember I think I was in high school um, or somebody told me it. I can't exactly remember what it said, but they always said like, let your walk speak louder than your talk. And I think we can always say the right things. And I think that like me and you talked about earlier, growing up in the Bible belt, growing up doing that, going to church, it was easy to talk the talk. Um, but when it came down to it, were you truly walking with, with Christ? Were you walking steady in your faith? And I think it's hard. Um, but I think it's the way that you go about your day understanding that like, Hey, Christ is ultimately in control of my situations and my circumstances. As much as men, as men, do we want to control everything a hundred percent? And it's absolutely relinquish control and lay down your pride and say, Hey, I can't handle this situation. Um, I ultimately got to press into Christ. And I've got to lean, lean into him a little bit on this. Um, and I think it, it's, it comes with humility and I think walking in a way that's sacrificial um, and that's, submitted to what Christ has called you to do is a humbling act. Um, and it goes back to, are you treating people the right way? Are you 
actively working to take ownership of your faith and your relationship in Christ? Are you pursuing um, scripture? Are you diving into scripture? Are you spending time dissecting what Christ is trying to tell you? Um, And there can be numerous ways to do that, whether it's getting plugged in with some community, whether it's getting plugged into the church um, or whatever it is. And that's something that I've even struggled with for years um, is, you know, constantly and consistently being plugged into a church, um, you know, because you'll get back on Sundays and you got to be there. And that can get really hard as a, as a, as a assistant that's off the field, you know, cause you got to get things done. Um, but that's no excuse either. Um, and that's just me being transparent. That that's something that I've struggled with for, for years doing that. And, you know, that's where you have to still take ownership of it. And I think, are you truly walking out what you're, what you're saying that you're doing? Um, and it can be, it can be hard. Um, it can be really hard to walk humbly submitted to what Christ has called you to do. And, but being all in says, that, Hey, I know that this is the best thing for me because he has a plan for me and it's you relinquishing that control ultimately. That's good stuff because if you, I'm sitting here thinking through the last couple of questions we've talked about, you know, you talked about how you treat people speaks. So if I'm preaching the gospel to myself every day, that means I'm understanding the sacrifice that Jesus made. I'm understanding what it means to submit I should be living with humility if I'm preaching the gospel to myself. I'm pursuing scripture. Then if I'm doing those things, then I am going to treat people the right way. You know, so it all kind of comes together, I think, in what you said. I like that. I love asking that question because um, everybody answers it different. Um, you know, and some people, it's the, it's the basic answer. And this is not wrong. You know, it's mm-hmm. read your Bible, pray, surround yourself with good people. But I love... You know, when you when you dive into it a little bit more like you did and, you know, and even being transparent, because I think um, for for young folks in college and post-college, um, especially young single, I mean, getting plugged into a church, mm-hmm. it's not easy. You know, and in your case, I can only imagine when you're moving every year. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's been a little different, but there has been some some good churches I found, you know, obviously with COVID, uh, COVID last year was a little different. Um but there's been a lot of good people every place I've been and I've worked with some really good people. Um, you know, guy like Nathan Young, you know, Nathan Young was a guy that met me when I was 17 years old and I go to college, um, play under him. He was the offensive coordinator, but you know, when I was in college, his, his oldest of three kids was born, his son. And then they had their daughter when I was there. And then for it to come full circle and us to work together and him say, Hey, I need a date night with my wife. Do you mind watching my kids? I'm like, yeah, man, I don't mind. Like that stuff doesn't, you know, it doesn't happen. But then at the same time, when something goes wrong, he's known me so long. I can come in an office and maybe I'm a little quiet that day. He goes, Hey, you all right? Yeah. You know, but, and what, and we would shut the door. He's like, Hey, what's going on? Like, let's talk about it. Because at that moment, he's not, he's not my coach anymore. He's not my, you know, my boss, quote on, you know, whatever you call it that was him saying, Hey, let's take a step back and go, Hey, are you good? Like what's going on? And I think that stuff's important. Whether you're a coach, that's a position coach, a coordinator, a head coach, it's learning how people, you know, how they interact and maybe something's going on. And I think it's important to ask those questions and truly asking, like, Hey, how are you actually doing? Um, instead of getting the, Hey, you doing all right. Yeah, I'm good. And, you know, that's something that me and my friends try to do as much as we can. Like, hey, you doing okay? 
uh, you know, not really. I will right, talk about it. If you don't have time to talk about it right now, let's come back to it when we can dive a little deeper into it. Um, instead of just them saying, yeah, I'm good. Yeah. Like, I, a lot of times that answer <laughs> is an answer so they can get out of the conversation. Uh, Cause I know I've pulled that answer before, you know, like, oh, I just don't want to talk about it right now. It's, it's not that big of a deal, but I think it's important um, not to bottle up those emotions, those feelings and say, Hey, like, yeah, you know, I'm struggling right now or whatever's going on. Um, and that's, you know, when I say that, that's community, that's community. <laughs> and that's community that's going to push you to be a better person as well. Yeah. And I think that's part of that whole all in piece is understanding that, that need, um, mm-hmm. you know, to, to pursue Christ, but it also means to pursue things of Christ and that's community. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's good. I love it. Well, I appreciate it. I know we had to reschedule uh, <laughs> once or twice and, you know, it's, it's a busy time as we're recording this. I know you got kids showing up on campus and <laughs> it's crazy. So I appreciate you taking time to, to do this. And, um, I know I've been encouraged and I, I just appreciate your, your boldness and your transparency. Yes, sir. No, absolutely. No, appreciate you. Thank you again to Hayden for taking time to, to join us, share his story. And I hope you got a glimpse of his, his boldness and his passion for, for Jesus, number one, and two, just the platform that he's been given through athletics to, to encourage young men and in, in, in their faith and introduce young men to Jesus. So I hope you've been encouraged as I have. And thank you for listening. I know we recorded this a, a couple months ago, but thanks for hanging in there with us. Um, we'd love to hear from you. You can visit us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, just in the search bar, type in All In Sports Outreach, and uh, you find out who we are, why we do what we do, opportunities to pray, serve, and give. Also visit our website at www.allinsportsoutreach.org. Lastly, Um, If you've been encouraged by this, share it with somebody. Um, Share it with a family member or a friend. Most of all, we appreciate you um, not just listening, but your prayers, your encouragement, and your support.